You're listening to the Exhibitionist Podcast, hosted by Nicola Reader and brought to you by InspiringExhibitors.com and ProExtra, a wholly owned subsidiary of 12th Man Solutions Limited. Hi there and welcome to episode 35 of the Exhibitionist Podcast. I'm your host Nicola Reader and as always thank you so much for joining us. In this week's episode we thought we couldn't ignore the issue of COVID-19. It is having such an impact on the industry that we thought it was important to try and cover it in some way. So very shortly, we'll be handing over to our conversation with Lou Kiwanuka, who's the MD at Event Shaper. And Lou is looking from a really operational and practical perspective about some of the things that organisers and exhibitors need to be thinking about as we challenge, as we get through these challenging times over the next few weeks. So that chat coming up soon with Lou. Before we get to that, though, I did just want to touch on the COVID-19 situation. And please don't think that this episode is going to have all of the answers that you're looking for. I'm not even sure I can give you some of the answers that you're looking for. I'm certainly no medical expert and I'm certainly no economist or politician and thankfully not in that position where I have to make some of the difficult decisions. But I have been talking to an awful lot of people and we were out at events last week and just thought I would share some of the general observations, some of the conversations we've been having to try and give you guys some food for thought as you navigate your own difficult times over the coming weeks. And obviously things are changing day by day, if not hour by hour. So where to start with COVID-19? Well, I think one thing that a lot of people have said to me is that every organisation, be that an organiser, an exhibitor, a supplier, has the right to make their own decision and we should respect that. And I personally, thankfully, haven't seen too much negativity around the decisions that people are making. But I think everybody, based on their own circumstances and the perspective through which they're viewing an event, has the right to make the decision that's best for them in that situation. And that's a fair point, but I think those decisions, for me, need to be made on facts and evidence. And that's certainly what we're trying to do to help our clients, is to look at what are the facts and evidence and what does that mean in terms of an actual risk. At the moment, the government, the UK government, aren't saying that we should ban any large-scale events. In fact, the chief medical officer is saying there is no evidence that doing so would minimise any risk of spread. So actually, as long as the government advice is that those big events can still happen, albeit perhaps with some changes to some of the ways that they may be run, actually the facts and evidence would suggest that it is safe to be able to carry on and do business. And the bigger risk is that those events don't go ahead and put the supply chain businesses in jeopardy, but also those exhibitor businesses who were counting on getting some revenues and growing their pipe, their sales pipeline from the contacts they met. And that economic risk is actually much greater than the risk of contagion if events are managed in the right way. So actually that risk assessment, that document that every exhibitor hates, now is a great time to sit down and think, okay, what are the facts and evidence? Where are we traveling to, to deliver this event? Who is the likely audience? Where are they coming from? Have we got any vulnerabilities in our team in terms of age group or pregnancy or underlying conditions that may mean we need to change how we operate, but actually stick to the facts, stick to the evidence and make the right decision for your business based on that, rather than some of the hype we're seeing from the um, consumer media, should I say. So I think that for us is a really important one. We were just kind of keen to our clients to get in front of them and say, okay, let's look at your particular circumstances and look at whether we need to change anything about what, what we're doing and not just make it a knee-jerk reaction. 
Um, the other thing that I thought was really encouraging as I spoke, I've spoken to a lot of people is actually as an industry, yes, it's really tough. We all know we're going through a hard time and behind the scenes, there's an awful lot of collaboration and an awful lot of support going on. And that's brilliant. And let's keep doing that. But actually, as an industry, we can probably help ourselves by sharing the positive stuff. So where events are still happening, where aisles are still busy, where business is still being done, actually, let's make some really good news about that. Let's share that and show the rest of the world that we're open for business and safely open for business. Um, I know Saul Lees from Exhibition News and Martin Fullard from Conference News are doing a great job getting out in the media and talking about the importance of the events industry, again, talking about the facts and evidence um, that help us keep events going. But actually, for all of us, if we can just share some of the good stuff, if you're an event, if you're, um, you've had a contract that's come in, if you're working on something that's still going ahead, let's just share that news as much as we can and as widely as we can outside of our industry and let people know that we're still open for business. And let's think about how else we can communicate. So some of our clients are saying to us, for good reason that they're no longer able themselves to go to um, an event that they were planning to go to for various reasons. And actually, there's other solutions that we can help them with, whether that's we can find some staff in market to go and um, man that booth for you in whatever uh, country it may be in, or we can help you with some media, or we can help you create some online engaging experience that means you can still communicate with your customers. It's amazing what those suppliers who you think do one job for you, actually, there's a whole range of other things that they might be able to do that help you in this situation to keep you communicating with your customers and make sure that when you do go back and exhibit, if your event's been postponed, that you can get those customers to come and visit you whenever your new show is, because you've been carrying on talking to them and, and adding value throughout this difficult and challenging time. So absolutely what I'm not wanting to do is um, not recognise the seriousness of the situation we face or the seriousness of COVID-19 to people um, who have those underlying health conditions. And we all have a responsibility to protect them. I, I get that. But I also think that we as an industry are a tough industry and actually we can help ourselves a lot and get out and talk to our clients about just making sure any decisions that we're making are grounded in that facts and evidence. And that's the thing that's kind of really, really come across to me from all the people that I've spoken to um, over the last few weeks. We can't wait to get on site to the events. We're working on the UK food shows at the end of this month, the commercial vehicle show we're working with and clients in, in April. And then we've got um, a big consumer show with uh, Lactalis in May. So we can't wait to get on site with those. We know we're having to change some things about what we're doing to make sure that people are safe and we minimise the risks as much as possible. Um, but actually, it feels like we need to really shout about what we're doing more than ever. Um, so hopefully we can encourage you guys to do the same. As I say, not the answers. I'm not the person to, to give you the answers you're looking for, but hopefully a little bit of food for thought in terms of how you navigate the next few weeks. So more importantly, let's get over to Lou. Um, she is a person who knows much more than me about kind of operations planning and how you might want to start thinking differently and what you can do um, over the next few weeks as uh, we, we face this challenge. So over to Lou. So on this week's episode of the Exhibitionist podcast, we are joined by Lou Kiwanuka, who is the MD of Event Shaper. So welcome to the show, Lou. Thank you very much. We are pleased to have Lou on the show today, talking about a difficult topic, but one that lots of you are um, asking us questions about. So um, before we get into the conversation with Lou, I just want to position the next um, conversation we're going to have. Um, Lou and I are not trying to be experts here with every answer on coronavirus and neither are we the people with the cure or the solution or the answer for the industry. All we're trying to do in the next 15-20 minutes or so is look at some of the considerations that 
organizers or exhibitors or even visitors might want to think about to help you get to the right decision for your business in your circumstances. Um, so that's what we're trying to do. At the end of this, you shouldn't feel like we've given you the answers to either make a yes or no decision on anything that you're doing. It's about where can you go and, and what's some of the things to think about. So it's just thought it was important to position the conversation in the episode at the start of the show. So Lou, do for our listeners who don't know you, although I know you are very well known in the industry, for those that don't know you, tell us a little bit about your background and experience in the events industry. Uh, so I run a company called Event Shaper, which is part of the Shaper Group. We are an operational management company uh, for uh, some of the big organisers and some small organisers as well. Um, aside from operational management, um, I'm also vice chair of ESTA, the Event Suppliers and Services Association. So within that, I also get a really good view of our supplier industry. Um, and then on a, on the broadest role, um, I've been. I've been a show owner, uh, been an organiser, been credit control, been marketing, been sales, been venue manager, been contractor. So um, quite a broad experience, really. Yeah, fantastic. So really across your career, you've seen every bit of the supply chain that's currently facing these challenging times within events. Yes. And I have to say, some of those roles I've been particularly bad at and, and some I've been particularly good at. <laughs> Definitely not an expert in all of that. <laughs> and have you got a leaning particularly one way or the other? Is there are the roles that you enjoy more than others? Uh, so operations is my is my thing, uh, but the other um, facets have enabled me to look at operations quite a different way, I guess, um, than if I hadn't had those experiences. So certainly, you know, losing my house to a show has given me deeper deeper insight into budget management uh, than I would have ever had before yeah absolutely it's amazing isn't it when you work those different roles and then you think oh, actually now I can see something in the context of somebody else's position or role in that supply chain it does make you think a little bit differently about yeah absolutely so we are here um, today to talk about coronavirus a little bit in terms of there is a huge challenge facing the industry at the moment and our listeners will be aware of um, some of the changes and decisions that are being being made. I don't want to dwell on that too much. I just want to think about if you're an exhibitor and you're participating in a show and that show's definitely going ahead, um, which many of them are, which is fantastic to see, what's the sorts of things that exhibitors maybe want to be considering and thinking about? Where, where can they get information from about um, how to plan for those for those events that are coming up? Well, um, I think with with all, I think the answer, first answer to pretty much every question you're probably going to ask is the first point of call is your trade associations. Um, so, you know, the Association of Exhibition Organisers is putting out information into the public domain, um, which is re really handy. And the and ESSA and the AEV and and any other trade association, uh, regardless of what industry you're in, I think is your kind of go-to place because those are the guys that are kind of collating the information. So what we've personally found really helpful um, is is taking the collated information from all of these sources and then and then working through that to uh, and adjusting it to our own requirements. Um, you know. Kind of, we were saying just before we came online, you know, you end up looking at this conversation, and I look at it as an individual, as a mother, as a business owner, as a potential exhibitor or an attendee at an exhibition, and you, all of us, have got to apply this 
this set of information and set of advice in so many different layers. So I think that's where, if I was to take it from my, what we've done uh, within Event Shaper, we've taken all the information from all these different sources, um, sat down, gone through it, figured out what's relevant to us, what isn't, what, what might be a second stage or a third stage, and mapped down to, to a basic plan. Because if you don't have a plan, you can't add to it or remove it or assess it. And at the moment, all that collated information, if it doesn't come down into what was relevant for you is is kind of neither here nor there does that make sense yeah and I think that's a really fair point there is so much information out there at the moment it is a case of overload what do I believe what, what's important to me so it's as you say looking at those different sources be it the organizer of an event or the trade association yeah. um, industry bodies official government advice taking all those different sources and picking out the bits that are relevant to you to make your decisions yeah. on and, and kind of just drowning out the noise that isn't relevant to you because that can just cloud your decisions yeah correct like and, and it might be you just get a little nugget from somewhere and what we've done is opened it out to our team you know asked our team right you pretend to be an organizer well you pretend to be an exhibitor you pretend to be a visitor you pretend to be a baby show visitor and you pretend to be you know a, a trade show exhibitor now put yourself in their shoes and, and now figure what you what you can bring to the table so it's been really good because it's meant the whole team can put themselves in the mind of a certain scenario and and just rem I think the biggest bit of advice is just remember we don't nobody has the full set of ideas you know an idea can come out of your ops assistant as it could your ops director um nobody's an expert in this at all and therefore use your whole team to assess what what those risks are so so for example uh, one of our team um came up with um you know sometimes when we go on site sometimes um when the client's booking accommodation for us they'll they'll be asking us to share a room so one of our team kind of said well if we're sharing won't we be more likely to share germs so yes great point okay so one thing on our list now is we're not sharing rooms you know, everybody's in their own rooms. Another person was saying, you know, but in terms of standard of accommodation, we need to make sure that the hotels that we're going to stay in if we're going to a show are, are of a clean level, so a minimum star rating to ensure that the hygiene measures are in line with what we want them to be. Um, I mean, the, the, the measures are countless and you can kind of take it from one extreme to another, but I can say, go back to... Go back to your situation, take all the information, and it doesn't take long. Just spend an hour with your team figuring out what you need to put on that plan. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right in saying it's that different perspective from everybody. Somebody who might be thinking, oh, well, actually, I've just had a baby. So, what about if people are pregnant? Are they more at risk? Do we know the impact that it has yet? Okay, we need to really watch out for that person in our team. Or, you know, if you know you've got a couple of people who are at the older age, end of your age spectrum, then, you know, there is a vulnerability there. That's the, re real, mm. the realism of this situation. So it's having some of those thoughts just about, OK, so let's think of every scenario across our, our team and, and what we might need to plan for or mitigate for as much as much as possible. So, Lou, you made some great points there about if teams are thinking of um, going as an exhibitor to a show or they're part of an organising team. So the things you can think about in the planning. So not sharing rooms and um, making sure that your accommodations for a really good standard 
Um, I know there's some of the more practical things like building in an extra bit of time if you are sending stuff around the world because ports might not be staffed, so it might just take a little bit longer to get your stuff off the boat, those kind of things. So there's there's lots of things in the pre-planning. What are some of the things that you're hearing about that are happening on site that are really helping mitigate some of the risks? There's some really simple stuff that we do. If you kind of assess your stand um, or your exhibitor's stands, if you're an organiser, um, some basics like, you know, nibbles. I mean, gone are the days of having peanuts on stands um, mostly anyway, but making sure that the things... The things that um, are around a touch point, so where one person gives something to another person or where somebody reaches into a bowl and grabs something, whether that's something wrapped or not, you know, just making sure that those kind of touch points are minimised or protected in some way, shape or form so that, you know, it's a cleaned time. So if you, for example, if you've got a touch screen on your stand um, as part of your display, it might be worth considering that, you do the touching and you take the instruction from from your visitor so you still get that kind of engagement but the the number of points at which multiple hands are touching multiple um similar surfaces are reduced um things like um you know the basics like making sure that the venues are, are doing what they should be doing kind of in terms of deep cleans and um increased sanitization um measures like soap and sanitizers and number of bins on the shade floor and things like that but also um making sure you've at least got a plan of what to do if one of your exhibitors goes ill or one of your visitors or if you are the exhibitor one of your staff members uh, because obviously remember you've got a duty of care for your staff that's very different to what an organizer has um, for you um, as an employer um, you're you need to think carefully about how you manage things so certainly what we've done within our team again sit, sat down figured out all the incoming information um, and looked at that information from the point of uh, right so what are we going to propose to our organizers what would we put into the exhibitor manual and what would we do for our own team do we have their con emergency contact information to hand all those kind of things that you are probably got in a file somewhere you just maybe have forgotten where that file sits or how easy is it to get to it on the weekend yeah absolutely some great advice in there I love the kind of you know just you do the touch screen and make sure that things are wrapped and you know all those touch points that normally actually we'd be a little bit more relaxed about it's just kind of good basic hygiene and certainly for for us going back to my days when I was exhibiting with some of the companies I work for and that risk assessment document it was always like oh god why do I have to do this actually now more than ever that risk assessment will just make you really think about okay at what point might somebody interact at what point is there a chance germs could get um passed from person to person and how do we cut down the number of that and it's it's that yeah. form that we all tend to avoid i think at exhibitions but never has it been more important yeah i think i don't know about anybody else but i think the hardest thing that i've found is is the more social aspect you know i went down to excel the other day and there was build-up going on and you walked down the boulevard and and saw a bunch of people that i haven't seen for ages you automatically go in for that exhibition air kiss you know kind of <laughs> um you know how how that's the bit that I found the hardest. How do I politely um, change that greeting yeah. point? Um, and that must be really hard for an exhibitor as well. I kind of wonder if we can make up little badges that go, <laughs> I'm not being rude, <laughs> just keeping my jams to myself or, you know, some, some far more clever marketing quip than that. But 
um, I don't know if you're the same, but it's, it's, it's just habit. You know, it's part of what we do. And I think the lovely thing about working in the events industry is we all get on so well. And, you know, there's lots of us working across lots of different events, but you see a lot of the same faces all the time. But it might be six, eight, 12 months in between seeing people. So the first thing you want to do is just give them a big hug and say, how's it been? How's your year been? Have you been getting on? And actually it is a bit more kind of, okay, I'm looking at you from a distance. And, you know, yes. so, so I think, you know, we've, it's habit, isn't it? You've just got to unlearn that habit for the next few months and people will be okay. Yeah. It's just consciously making yourself stop doing it. That's, that's difficult, I think. So. Yeah, absolutely. So thinking about, um, we've already seen some changes to events and it just feels like that's going to keep happening and whether that's a change that um, something doesn't happen or it's a change to how we behave at events. We've got a few months of this ahead. I think that's the reality. When things do change, I always think the best thing you can do is just communicate really well with everybody who's involved in that situation and in that, that plan. Um, I think organisers have brilliant crisis comp plans. It's something they work on, you know, should, should the worst happen. But exhibitors might not have a crisis comps plan in place for an exhibition. So I know this is something you work with quite, quite a lot. To, not that you ever need to put them into place, but thinking about what should go into them. What makes a really, really good crisis comps plan? I think you need enough of a basic level uh, for it to not be overcomplicated. So, I mean, we kind of keep our keep our kind of crisis management plan to a grab bag. So a bag, however big or small, containing the things that you might need in an emergency. So I would say the things that would go into a grab bag for an exhibitor would be a list of, um, you know, your staff's mobile numbers and next to kin mobile numbers um there would be uh you know paper and and pens and there might be um we always stick a black tie in there um if you're ever if you've ever got a bad uh, press conference to make you might be slightly overreacting on some elements but it's always better to have one than not um you're a copy of your kind of communications plan so you can pre-write for pretty much any scenario, a head and a, a top and a tail of either a press release or a statement um, that will follow certain lines. And we, we certainly find within our crisis planning and, and training is that pressure point that you need to take away anything that you don't need to think about. You need to just focus your mind on the actual things you do need to think about so having those templates pre-written just gives you that security and that comfort that if anything were to happen that you felt then you'd need to enact a crisis management plan or crisis communications plan you've at least got the basics there and you just need to insert a sentence you might then spend the next three hours figuring out what that sentence is but you're not spending five hours figuring out what five sentences are um, and just making sure that you you're going on site with a plan, you know that you know what you're gonna do and at, at what given point, then then it gives you the freedom to react to whatever might happen. I mean, we're talking about obviously coronavirus in this circumstance, but it could be anything. And I think as a business, you should really be prepared for some of some of eventualities, um, regardless. Um, Absolutely, and I think. Yeah, I think um, it's really clear to see from an organiser perspective what would need to go into a crisis a crisis comms plan and why they may, might need to put that into action. And some of our exhibitor listeners may be thinking, oh, but that doesn't really apply to me. But if you think of, you know, we do a lot of training with exhibitors and say there's a, that central project manager who is 
um, the person around which everything revolves in terms of, of an event and they know everything and they can lay their hands on everything and they know where when things are arriving and when they're going back. Well, if suddenly that person's got to self-isolate or is, is sick, what happens mm. then? But the rest of the team can go. So it's thinking things in terms of, you know, not necessarily keeping the comms to yourself, but making sure everybody that's going to be at that show kind of knows where the documents are and how to get hold of them. I think it's, yeah. it's kind of sh- having that shared ownership probably of any just comms plan in general. Yeah. Around and, and knowing who's and knowing who's gonna do your job. So um we've we've kind of outlined within our business, you know, so if I'm if I'm ill and unable to um do something, who's gonna do it for me and have they got the information? So we've done something as simple as set up an emergency folder on a Dropbox yeah. and it's shared amongst the senior management team. Um every, you know and then it means that you know the wages can still be paid and the um people can still be contacted and they're kind of the essential day-to-day running of the business or in this case a stand um can be handled with as little kind of uh, stress as possible yeah absolutely and i think you know whether you're a if you're a stand building agency and suddenly you um, you know were unfortunate enough to have a couple of people who may have contracted some you know coronavirus in your team and then um there's a few more people self-isolating it's just about how do you communicate that to your teams what to your clients what are the the plans that you've put in place to make sure that their show doesn't get disrupted and and likewise if you're the client and the same happens what um what does the the stand designer need to know and it's it's interesting if you are a supplier to the exhibition industry and you have clients that either pull out or whose shows are cancelled what, is there any advice that you can give them? It's a really tricky one we're hearing about in terms of terms and conditions and payments. And it's a really, really difficult question. And I'm not asking you to answer it every single scenario, but where can people go for advice in that situation? Well, I'm going to say ESSA, because if you're an ESSA member, give them a shout. And if you're not an ESSA member, make sure you're an ESSA member and give them yeah. a shout. Do <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's an absolutely awful situation for a lot of um suppliers out there at the moment and um esther are working really hard you know on you know kind of hardly hardly get through to poor andrew there at the moment because you know he's fielding calls left right and center and offering um all the advice and and information that he can give and there's some great information on the website um so the um one thing that is going to be coming out shortly, if it's not already, um, he went out to the board of ESSA and basically said, no, you're all busy, but what are your top five to ten tips? Um, send them over because then at least we've got a collective, you know, kind of top 20 tips that, you know, the board covers quite a broad uh, part of the industry from, you know, main official contractors to stand builders to insurance to, you know, all different kinds of um, companies. So we were kind of thinking that by gathering their top five to 10 tips, we should have a really broad top 10 to five, um, sorry, top five to 10 tips for everybody else in our sector as well. The people that are obviously going to really suffer the most immediately are those people that are paid on a per day basis. Um, you know, kind of our hostesses, um, our site management, people that uh, live more on a kind of you know day to day month to month basis that do rely on uh sometimes uncontracted um services 
up until much nearer the time. And those shows now that are cancelling or postponing uh, are taking you know, their immediate payment and salaries away from, from their table. Um, that's the hard, that's going to be the hardest short-term issue. The, the long-term issue is going to be um, to make sure that we've got a contracting industry that can build shows when we come back online. Yeah, and I think that it's such a crucial point there that, um, and this is kind of me speaking rather than necessarily you speaking, Lou, but definitely from, from my perspective, you know, if you've got those relationships in place with suppliers, any shows that are getting postponed are going to happen again at some point in the future. You're going to want to exhibit again as a business that's worked for you in the past, it'll work for you again in the future. And if everything's been great with that supplier up until now, just help them get through the next few months because it's going to be tough because you will need them again in the future. And if it's all been going really well up until now, why would you want to damage that, that relationship for the future? So exactly as you say, there are people who are working on very kind of short payment windows that this is going to really hurt. It's like, let's just collaborate and work together, actually try and, you know, for the big businesses that can probably afford to pay some of the smaller suppliers, then actually just try and come to some kind of arrangement where you can. Um, and that, yeah. that's kind of my plea rather than Lou's plea. <laughs> well, I think, and, and I think, you know, ESSA is all about, um, about helping ESSA members as well. You know, uh, there's a code of conduct that, um, that we all sign up to. Um, which has got, you know, kind of some quite strong ethics involved in it. And, and things like that are really going to come into the fore at this stage. The other thing I kind of um, resonating with what you said is that, you know, we, we, the contractor and supplier industry really has kind of suffered over the last few years of, of um, you know, the value in it being on the, the end result, so the per day kind of rate or or the output of a design, um, and I think long term, uh, the contraction supplier industry might need to start looking at how they're valued as businesses. You know, an exhibitor is not paying them for the stand build at the end; they're paying for the pain free process to get there. Um, and I think the things like loyalty um, and ethics are really going to define our industry going forward because those organisers and those exhibitors that are loyal to their suppliers that they've worked with year in, year out, year, you know, will will have more longevity going forward. Those um, organisers and exhibitors that jump from contract to contract to contract year after year after year and don't have that longevity will possibly have to pay more for their services in the end. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, it's two points really there. That that point about, you know, value, it's just so crucial that, um, you know, sometimes the frustrations we get is when we do a lot of exhibitor training and people go, oh, well, it's just your time that I'm paying for. It's like actually it's paying for the fact that collectively we've been in the industry 35 years, so we know some stuff mm-hmm. that you don't. And that's that's the value, you know, by getting out of what's in our head that's yeah. adds value to your stand you know you, you will have a more successful show so I think it's such a crucial point and um, and I think the other thing for me is you know if you talk to your suppliers about they might not be able to build you a stand right now or provide you insurance right now or whatever it might be there might be something else they can do that's really interesting and actually it's like just explore what other services they've got and you've still got to communicate to your yeah. customers you've still got to keep your own business going so what are the other things that some of your suppliers are, are doing that they might be able to help you with right now that are different, that could be quite yeah. interesting? 
Absolutely. And it might even just be as simple a solution as cash flow. So it might be, you know, if you've got a show that's meant to have been run in the spring and it's now in the autumn and normally you wouldn't pay them till 30 days out from the show, you know, may you know, just, just get on the phone and get to know where these pressure points are within your supply chain. It might just be that, you know, one, you know, one month earlier might work, you know, okay for you and alleviate so much pain for them. You know, you just don't know. So get, yeah. I think it's time our industry, um, and probably not necessarily speaking about the exhibitors here, but definitely the organizers and the suppliers and the venues, that time that emails aren't counting just got to get on the phone and this comes down to relationship and and you know and you're doing what you can to make it work better for the three ways the venues the organizers and the suppliers yeah thank god we've got the eia yeah collaboration absolutely between between everybody um so there's a question we're getting asked an awful lot by exhibitors and I'm going to put it to you and I think um, it's a difficult one for you to answer so I think everybody will appreciate you'll give us the answer that you can but obviously it won't be the same for every single scenario. But if an organiser cancels an event um, and you're exhibiting at it, what can you expect back in terms of a refund on your fee? Or what are the questions well, perhaps that exhibitors could be asking of those organisers? I think it's um, from what I can gather, it's mostly around the terminology. And I think most organisers um, that I'm aware of are trying not to cancel their events, uh, but to postpone them. Um, and in the case of postponement, um, I think the majority of organisers will be looking to roll the exhibitor contracts. So, for example, if a, if a show were happening next week um, and it's and it's moved, they might be looking to move it to the autumn when we're kind of out of, hopefully out of this health um, situation. Um, and in that case, the stand contract would would hold. I mean, I guess the first thing to do is look at the contract that you've signed um, because it will be clear as anything in there as to, as to what, um, what the liabilities are. Um, and I think the same thing goes for a lot of um, contractors as well you know um whether a show is completely cancelled or postponed have got two very different sets of circumstances that will then follow yeah absolutely and I think it, it comes back to the point we've made a few times it's, these are uncharted times you know it's nobody has been through this kind of scenario before so just talk and we all want an exhibitions industry at the end of it we all want to make sure that as many people get through this exhibitors organizers suppliers as possibly can so let's yeah. just talk to each other it's not a them and us we're all in it together so yeah absolutely yeah and we're you know we're obviously hoping that this will be managed in as quick sorry quick as an efficient um time frame as possible enabling us to have a great autumn season um now the autumn season tends to be quite jammed into September, October, um, and then November and December sometimes is a little lighter. So I know there's, you know, the venues are probably playing Tetris at the moment, trying to juggle everything around to give the best possible options. But you know, it would be great if as much of our spring activity that is postponed gets postponed into the same financial year. Uh, for example so so yes um i think it's different for everybody um different sets of circumstances you know 
show owners are certainly earning their wages right now in terms of, you know, they're the ones that take the big risks. They're the ones that sign their names on the bottom of a tenancy um, and sometimes sign their houses against it as well. They're the ones that are making such difficult calls at the moment. And, um, and I think, yeah. And I think that's one of the things that actually exhibitors sometimes don't necessarily think of because I go right back to the start of our conversation where we were saying you see things through, through such different lenses. You only see it as an exhibitor and actually sometimes don't necessarily appreciate those huge risks that organisers take in booking venues and booking power Absolutely. and you know, all the yeah. marketing that's got to go with it and all the insurances that go around shows. And yeah, there's a reason huge why. Commitment. Yeah, there's a reason why there's not many event organisers in the world that, you know, sign their names against a tenancy. That that risk is huge. Um, and and quite often it works really well. And then every now and then we get a, we get a corker like this. And those are tough times, tough decisions. I wouldn't like to be in, in any of their shoes. Um, and, and, you know, we and the rest of the industry, um, I'm sure we'll come together to try and find the best possible out, outcome from it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, as you alluded to earlier on as well, it, these are difficult decisions. I don't think anybody's sitting there thinking, oh, yeah, this is a really easy decision because it, it, it's not. You know, the numbers aren't big enough for it to be a very easy You know, it's about balancing the risk, mitigating the risk and making mm-hmm. the, the right call based on sometimes factors that are taken out of your hand. If some of your big exhibitors start pulling out, absolutely. That, that decision is kind of taken out of your hands to a certain degree. So, um so it's been fantastic speaking to you this afternoon. I think it's really hard trying to have a conversation about something that everybody is so interested in, somebody wants all the answers for, and yet we just, we can't give them because we don't have them. Yeah, um, but, but, with, I, but there is tons of info out there. So I, I think if, I, if there's one bit of advice I can give, it's just take all of that information that's coming in, almost sit with, with your columns, you know, how do you feel about that as a person? How do you feel that as a manager? How do you feel that as a business owner? How do you feel that as an exhibitor? How do you feel that as an organiser? And, and just segment it out because what you feel as, as an exhibitor might not necessarily be what you feel as a mother or a father. And, and it, that's okay. Because there's, you know, there's different sets of circumstances for each. That's the best way I've tried to kind of pull it apart and define how, where I sit within the whole scheme of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really a really helpful way of looking at it from those different perspectives. As you say, take all the information that you can on board. Um, I think there's a bit of let's just respect each other's decisions because nobody's making them lightly at the moment. We're all facing difficult decisions and all we can do is take that information, take the evidence and make the best decision we think for our business and the people that, that we care for. And let's just work together and collaborate and support each other because we will get through this. And I think we're probably all going to be exhausted by Christmas when that autumn season just goes absolutely crazy. Um, yeah, absolutely. But what a fantastic way to end the year if it does end up like that when we've had a really busy autumn. Um, it's been fantastic speaking to you this afternoon. If anybody did want to get in touch with you, want to pick up with you, where can they find you? Uh, they can give me a shout on lou at eventshaper.uk. So that's lou uh, at eventshaper.co.uk. Yeah, just .uk or through LinkedIn. Um, fortunately, my surname is quite um, unusual, so it's not hard to find me, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and we will put all of your details up next to at the post anyway. So and if, if you're still struggling, get in touch with us and we will pass on Lou's contact details. So, um, so good luck. What's the next event that you're working on at the moment, Lou? 
so we've got a baby show going out this week um so yes exciting times yeah exciting times we hope you have a great show and um thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today and we look forward to talking to you again maybe in the autumn to see how things are going when we're through the other side of this that would be great lovely good luck everyone So thank you to Lou there for giving up her time to speak to us. We know she is incredibly busy at the moment with all the changes she's managing. So thank you, Lou. And um, as Lou mentioned, her surname is um, a little bit tricky. So if you're struggling to find how to get hold of Lou, please do give us a shout and we can pass on her details. In the next episode of the Exhibitionist podcast, we are inviting back a previous speaker, Mr. Adam Parry, who we're going to be talking to about virtual trade shows. There's been a lot of chat about virtual trade shows um, in light of the COVID-19 challenges and whether they're a temporary fix and answer to some of the postponements we're seeing. And I don't know, maybe they're just TV, who knows? So Adam's going to come on and have a chat with us about um, what they actually are, how they can help and how people might use them over the coming weeks, aligned with those face-to-face live events as well. So that episode will be dropping in a couple of weeks. We'll try and keep you updated with anything that changes or that we think is interesting via uh, the website and our newsletter. So please head over to www.inspiringexhibitors.com and you can pick up all the latest information there. But also keep an eye on the Association of Event Organisers and the ESSA websites, um, which are the places that will have most of the news around COVID-19 or your um, trade associations and government advice. As always, the Exhibitionist Book and Project Manager Journal are both available on the website and we will continue to donate to the National Literacy Trust for every copy that you purchase. So please head over there and uh, pick up a copy um, and help if you have a little bit of extra time, help yourself getting ready for your next show. If you do want to get in touch with us or subscribe to the newsletter, you can do it via the website also. So I hope you don't have too difficult a few weeks coming up. If you do need anything at all or have a question, please do get in touch. If you think you've got something to say about exhibitions, give us a shout and we'd love to invite you on the show. And we look forward to you joining us next time. Happy exhibitioning. Hop over now to inspiringexhibitors.com to subscribe to our newsletters, blogs and future podcasts, keeping you up to date with industry insight. While there, you can also find out more about the exhibitionists inspiring trade show excellence. Once again, thank you for listening.